Hello, and welcome to the Should I Go See It podcast, where every other Friday we take a deeper dive into the one-sentence reviews on shouldigoseeit.com. This week we'll be discussing the menu, Glass Onion, the Fablemans, and the Banshees of Inishurn. I'm your host, Bill George. With me, as always, AJ Rebecca, I'm super producer Craig Stanton. The Banshees of what? Of Inishurin. Inishurin. Now say it like a true Irishman. Oh, the, the Banshees of Inishurin. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, Bill. Yes. How you doing, bud? I'm good. How was your Thanksgiving? Did we cover that? That's happened since the no, last that's, recording, right? Thanksgiving is part of the episode. <laughs> uh, it's good. It's like the same thing every year. Yeah. Uh, I believe the golfer Justin Thomas once said in a viral tweet, if Thanksgiving food was that good, we'd be eating it every day. Yeah, we have it more than it, once a year. That's my, that's my <laughs> philosophy as well. It's really not that good. Yeah, when's the last time your friend said, come on over, we'll roast a turkey? Like, it's just, you don't do it. You don't have roast turkey <laughs> any other day. You don't. I don't you don't. Craig, Craig has a look on his face like he is ready to <laughs> fight everybody. Well, I just didn't realize we were a bunch of fucking communists on this podcast. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, dude, like a turkey is just, I'd rather, I'd rather have a roast chicken. Go ham, baby. Fa- Go with the, the ham. Game. Go with the oh, Thanksgiving ham. Ham is one of the most disgusting fucking foods. Oh, on yeah. Oh I'm God. not a fan of any of that. This this episode is off to a divisive start. The only way ham is good is with a good uh, pineapple glaze and a shit ton of spicy brown mustard. Ooh, you soak it in rum for uh, 24 to 48 hours. Soak it in rum. So yeah, Bill, it was it was fine. It was it was Thanksgiving. You overeat. You feel awful about yourself. That's it. How was yours? Mine was adequate. Uh, my. My uh, my niece got the flu, so we oh, had to can't have that. cancel most of our family plans. So my sister cooked, and my dad picked up that food without going in the house. We wouldn't get sick, and then he brought it to me, and then we reheated it. So like it was already leftover Thanksgiving food for Thanksgiving. So cold blooded <laughs> move by BG One. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was an interesting Thanksgiving. Uh, but was there any pleasantries exchanged on this? Pickup, I don't know. Was I wasn't. Just, I don't know the details on that one. Was it like a DoorDash situation? Just leave it on the front steps. It was probably close to that. That's like the most Massachusetts thing I've ever heard. Me <laughs> thing in my life. Like, how's the kid? She okay? Give me the food. So much bitterness. Uh, so Gone. we ate and we watched some football and I went to the movies and that was that. Well, I'll be. Craig? Who, me? Oh, just, yeah, just delightful. Went to Philly, had a blast. Uh, did you watch anything, uh, Craig? I know you did. Oh, that's an interesting question, Bill. Uh, <laughs> it's a leading I'll tell question. you what. Me and the missus, we went and saw Wakanda forever. Thought it was a pretty good time at the movies. I'll say I have no hot takes on this film. I'm like the least qualified person to have an opinion about a Marvel film. I think the last one I saw was the first Black Panther just out of a desire to be part of the zeitgeist for once. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. It was cool. It was fine. I had a good time. I have. It was just like, you know, being a non-Marvel person, it's just like good time at the movies, basically. But I think they actually, in, in thinking more closely about that, I think they did a decent job of not making it overly. Like there was like, I can think of two on-screen conversations that were had that I was like, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. But other than that, as a complete like non-canon person, I w- could just step right into this movie and like have a blast. So that was cool. Nice. Okay. No issues there. 
The other film uh, that we watched over the last couple weeks was Spirited, which is the new Apple TV, Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds uh, little uh, mess about. AJ, you saw this too? Uh, I did, yeah. Uh, I mean, you're the Christmas movie connoisseur here. It's it's lost forever. I'm never going to watch it again. It has a couple, I think I agree with you on this, Craig. There was a couple scenes, one-liners that I... Chuckled, there was some laughs. Chuckled. I legit laughed a couple times. I'll give them that. The premise, it is a musical, and basically when you die, you don't go to heaven or hell. You become an extra in the ghosts, the the Scrooge tale. So like you basically are part of Christmas past, uh, future, or present, and you basically do, do, good, do good deeds, and if you do enough of them, you actually get sent back to live out the rest of your life in a new body and in a new uh, thing. Craig has his look on his face. Well, I don't. I mean, I'm not. Was that not the synopsis? <laughs> well, I just don't know about the whole. There is no heaven. And hell. I don't think every person on Earth who dies goes to work at this. Oh, okay, maybe not everyone that makes dreams. Yeah, they send you. Um, <laughs> I think it's just a very small subset of people that get get the call up. Okay, well, that's a either that or the, that just is hell. All right. Uh, yeah, just being an extra and no, but the, yeah, it's an interesting premise. It's kind of honestly hard to explain. I would just say watch it because it's free but yeah it was an interesting premise it was a, a different take on like the you know charles dickens right yeah you know christmas carol yeah, thing christmas carol. i mean i don't think the world needs another christmas carol no but if you're gonna do it you might as well have like a different approach so i think they did that and uh i enjoyed you can't it improve on perfection uh will ferrell is very not will ferrelly in this like i think he does a pretty good job of toning down his normalcy while ryan reynolds is still like yeah, Will Will Ferrell is doing the like, I drive a Dodge Stratus. Like he's doing that like frustrated <laughs> dad type of Will Ferrell humor that we've seen before. That I think he does pretty well. Yeah. Um, but he's not the main the main source of it. But there are some little banter things between him and Ryan Reynolds that I thought were pretty funny. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, it was pretty good. That's it for me. Uh, Bill, I haven't been. I didn't watch that much over the last few weeks. Um, I did watch quite possibly so those I mean I've said it a few times on the podcast my wife is a gigantic Hallmark Christmas movie fan I might have watched the best Hallmark Christmas movie of all fucking time would she agree with this assessment she was floored at the end so the end basically has like a Shyamalan like twist that I was <laughs> falling backwards in, in my <laughs> in seat space and time last night yeah wow uh, all star cast just a whole bunch of like premier B listers, few A listers sprinkled in there. I don't know what the budget was. Their CGI, the CGI is fucking horrible, but the story <laughs> and the twist, my god, chef's kiss. And this was uh, the Christmas train. The Christmas train. Don't you dare call it the Polar Express. It is the Christmas. That's like the Polar Express toy that you buy at like a Dollar Tree. It's like the, the Sam's Club version of like yeah, yeah, Glacier yeah. Frost. It's yep. the Christmas train. Yeah, exactly. Does Lifetime have an app? I don't know where Lifetime stuff is. Hallmark. Hallmark, excuse Hallmark me. Channel. I'm sorry, excuse yeah. me. Does it have an app? I don't know, dude. If How'd you watch it then? It was on Hallmark. It was oh, like, you watched it literally so on like a cable box? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, I got you. Yeah, so Hallmark uh, channel during the Hallmark has five different movie channels Jesus. like murder and mystery, <laughs> like love stories. During Christmas, 
all five of those channels have Christmas movies playing 24 hours oh, a day. Oh, my Lord. Seven days a week. And did you seek did you seek out the Christmas train or did the Christmas train find you? So what happens is we finish we finish dinner, <laughs> we go on, and she's like, seen it, seen it, seen it, haven't seen it. And I was like, fine, whatever. It has fucking what's his name in it? <laughs> is it uh Danny Glover. Dermot Moroni? Danny oh. got oh and Dreamy. Yeah, he's in it too. But Danny Glover, and I was like, I'll watch a Danny Glover Christmas movie. What was the term you used before? Premier (laughs) B-listers? Yeah. Like B-plus errors. It has... When I looked it up after you mentioned it, it had um, Annie Banks from Father of the Bride. Sure. Little Joan Cusack for you? Joan Joan Cusack. uh, It's just... I'm telling you. Christmas Train. Hard recommend, sounds like. Hard recommend. Um, What about you, Bill? You saw a shit ton of movies. Clearly, we're going to talk about... Like twelve of them, um, yeah. Anything I, I should know? I saw I saw a bunch of movies, and as you all know, I am I'm an AMC guy. I'm an A list Stubbs premiere member. Have been since 2015, and uh, to see the Fablemans, I ended up having to go to a showcase cinemas, <laughs> and you know. The experience was not the best. Now, I'm not going to say AMC's experience is, is the best because I've been getting screwed over by AMC with projector issues and canceled shows and no notifications and plenty of other things. So AMC is not the gold standard by any means. But I'll tell you, neither is Showcase. couple things that happened. First of all, uh, not really like true stadium seating. Just They're all on the same level, but they just make the screen really high up. So everyone's just cranking their necks up to look at the screen to like imitate oh, I don't like stadium that. seating. So that bothered me. The seats, when you tilt the seat back, it also moves the legs out. Like it's one control. You don't have separate control over your legs and the back of the chair. If you're putting your chair back, your legs are also coming up, which I do not okay. do not care for as well. Those legs are coming up. Uh, Is it because you like uh, feel like you're in a position that you're like weak in, or like that you're like a predator might like what's? <laughs> no, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> your legs come up like you're gonna like you're laying down like you're gonna fall asleep. I just want to tilt back so that I'm even at the screen. I don't have to crank my neck, but I don't want to necessarily lift my legs off the ground either. You know what I mean? And I couldn't. There was no happy medium, so my neck ended up hurting. Bill decides when his legs leave the ground. Nobody else. You're goddamn right. I do. Uh, they also did an ad after the trailers, so like they did all 20 minutes of trailers, which is normal. And then in AMC, this is where Nicole Kidman would come out and the movie would start at Showcase. They just, after 20 minutes of trailers, they just do a straight-up Verizon Samsung ad out of nowhere. And then it says, now your feature presentation, which was very strange. Um, the soundproofing was not good. So there's a quiet moment in our movie that was, like, very emotional. And then all I could hear were, like, explosions in the auditorium next to me that had some other movie playing. No, it was just the, ba- <laughs> the bathroom that shared so the That's wall. annoying. And then the last <laughs> thing that was not necessarily Showcase's fault, I saw the Fablemans in the middle of uh, the afternoon. So the theater was just full of old people and they kept on like clearing their throat and just being a nuisance. And it's like, you know, Hey, it's like, Hey, lung chunks. If you're sick, stay the fuck home. You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing here? Oh boy. Oh, wow. Just dad, just dad noises. (laughs) Exactly. So not the best experience, I will say over a showcase. All right. Well, I appreciate your rant about uh, Showcase 
and let's go into uh, the news. What's in the news? All right, Bill. Uh, there is a new Netflix series called Kaleidoscope coming in January. It's about a heist, and its episodes can be viewed in any order that you want. Each episode is named after a color, and the viewer can select to watch them in any order. And at the end, all viewers will have seen the same story, but potentially perceived it differently. Bill, do you think this is a neat idea that pushes the bounds of storytelling or gimmicky looking for just the buzz? Um, I don't. So I don't want to disparage or put down like a new attempt at storytelling in a, in a different exciting way because it could be really cool. But my my immediate reaction is I would want the order that the writer conceived of it like there's got to be like a, a a best order or thought in their mind like just give it to me the way the writer director thinks it's the most effective way to tell that story you know what i mean yeah but they wrote it in a way that you can watch it any way you want and still get some sort of the similar baseline but a different experience i know but i want to know what they what they think the best experience it is it's their story that's their job give it to me in the most effective way you can yeah but isn't the great thing about that we're all going to watch it, right? Yeah. And we'll, I want to, now that we know about it, write down on which order that we see it, and then we can compare notes. That's the thing. It'll be a fun experiment. It'll be a fun experiment. Whether it'll be like a revolution in storytelling, I don't know. I mean, Netflix already did, Black Mirror did the choose your own adventure thing, which didn't... Yep. Bandersnatch. Yeah, it didn't really work for me. Um, so I'm a little jaded by that. I, I'm really more wondering if there will be a story reason for this. Because like when I think of other things that told stories in weird ways, Memento comes to mind. But Memento, we experienced that story uh, like the main character, the protagonist did, where he could only remember certain chunks at a time. So we went back and so like, we experienced that story like he did. So there's like a built-in reason to tell it that way. Same thing with the Anthony Hopkins movie um, from last year where he has dementia. The storytelling makes us feel like we have dementia based on the way they depict it. So like, there's built-in narrative reasons to tell the story in a new way. And I'm curious if this will have that or if this is just, this story will work. Why don't we just cut it up and, and put it in a different package to make it a gimmick? Like That's what I'm like waiting to see, if there's like a real hook to it or if it is just a gimmick. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm definitely going to try it. But I, I like to lean towards whatever the writer director like envisions. I like to go with that usually. But, but this is this has been happening in. Well, I'll give an example: video games for a while. Even Elden Ring, which we both played and got through this last year, is that the missions you choose and the order you do them in will ultimately affect how the final cutscene and the final chapter of the game is experienced. You didn't throw a fit then. Or no, I wouldn't say a fit. I'm sorry. That was an exaggeration. You didn't have a problem with it then, but like it's technically the same thing. The only difference is the the medium in which you're it's experiencing it is different. I have a question. Um, do we know whether so this based on this description, um, viewer can select to watch them in any order. I wonder if there is sort of a user interactivity element similar to the Black Mirror Bandersnatch episode because like it would seem to me that if it's a Netflix show that can be watched in any order, the vast majority of people will watch it 
sequentially, like in the order that Netflix presents them to you. So I wonder if there's some sort of user interactive, like where would you like to go next thing, which might be kind of cool. It's borderline seems like necessary to make this work and not just be some kind of like weird gimmick. Yeah. Well, it's a weird gimmick either way, but like, but to say we made this sequential uh, episodic television show that, hey, fun fact, you can actually watch it in other, you know, you could read the book backwards and it still makes sense or like whatever the case may be. But I I wonder if they build some sort of like user interface element to uh, make you choose, you know? Yeah, I'm curious about that too. The presentation is is a big question mark to me because again, if they present it in a listed order that automatically jumps and that is what they put out, then I'll end up watching it like that more than likely unless we're Unless as in a social experiment, we purposely all choose to watch it different ways and compare. Sure. Uh, AJ. Yeah, Phil. In a Twitter Q&A, director Christopher McQuarrie was asked what happened to a scene that was in the trailer for Mission Impossible Fallout and why it was not in the final film. Which happens. Chris responded that, quote, it could go, so it went, end quote. Okay. Another fan then responded and said that they missed the good old days when you could watch deleted scenes on a DVD, which Chris responded again saying, I do not enjoy eggshells in my omelet. Jesus. Okay. AJ, were you or are you a fan of watching deleted scenes or do you consider them deleted for a reason? So I have two thoughts around this. One, I would just prefer a director's cut than just watching just scenes that are just, I click in, watch three minutes of it and have no context of what happened before or after. If there was a lot to be cut and left on the cutting room floor and the director has a way to fit it in and can do things the way that he or she wanted them to be or saw them, the best way for storytelling and everything, give me a director's cut all day long. That's one thing. Two, I don't really watch deleted scenes anymore, but I'm a big bloopers, guys. A big bloopers guy. I just like bloopers. I just love, love watching a good montage of sunny bloopers office bloopers 30 rock bloopers i think it's hysterical um because it's these people are hilarious but i appreciate them more as actors because i think what happens is especially in sitcoms and comedies we equate steve carell to not being steve carell a human being but you know his character from the office you know and then you watch him break character and you're like, holy shit, like he's just a normal, he's just a normal dude. And like, this is his job and his profession. And he's so fucking good at it that you don't see him as a human being. You just see him as a character in the show. Um, and I just, I appreciate that. And I don't, I don't know. It's a weird thing. Sometimes I get caught on YouTube black holes where I watch, you know, Amy Poehler, Amy Poehler break character for 45 minutes and it's hysterical. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, blooper reels aside, uh, to this question, uh, I'm on I'm on Chris McCory's side on this one. Uh, I don't like deleted scenes. I don't watch deleted scenes. If they were deleted, I trust that they did that for a reason. I kind of this goes back to the last question, thematically similar. Like I stick with whatever the writer director's vision is, and whatever they put out as the final product was for a reason, and that's what I'm going to see, and that's what I'm going to judge, and I'm not going to waste time on on deleted scenes. So I don't watch them. Don't care about them. I will I will say one thing about this McQuarrie character. I guess this was on Twitter, so I'll give him a little bit of a pass. It's not like this was like a Q&A in person. This was like back and forth via tweets. But boy, are those some real douchebaggy ways to answer those questions. Like, what a... 
prick. Yeah, like, why are you being a fucking dick, man? No, no, he's just to the point. He is. He has been fascinating to watch on Twitter. He's a good follow because people ask him screenwriting questions or about scenes or sh- shots they made or stunts they did, and he always answers those questions uh, in an insightful way. I think it's very interesting. Hey, to each his own. All right, Bill. Uh, let's go on to our next segment. Uh, should I go see it? We'll be talking about four films today. Uh, the first is The Menu. So according to imdb.com, a young couple travels to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. Bill, should I go see it? Yes. Uh, AJ, this is this might be my new favorite movie. I, I'm, I'm, I'm of all time, of all time, Woo-hoo! of all time. I'm not, I am not kidding. Can I? Okay. I. Why? Why is? Why is that? I why have your new favorite movie of all time. I was grinning the entire movie. Like my face hurt when I left the theater, and when the movie ended, I just sat in the theater smiling for ten more minutes, just through the whole credits, just thinking, just thinking back on like some of the lines, some of the parts, some of the things that happened. Like I don't remember the last time I enjoyed a movie this much. Wow. Uh, it is. It's masterful. It's a must-see. It's not optional. It's going to be my pick for best movie of the year. Easily. I almost want to add the tag to the website now. Like I, There's no shot. Anything beats it. It's amazing, AJ. It's amazing. Every decision they made was the right one. Would you say it's a perfect movie? Yes. I already added it to my list of perfect movies. Done. Okay. I do have a note in my notes app of perfect movies. This is on there now. We uh, had, I mean, me, I feel like, Bill, you and I are in about 35 different group chats. <laughs> and one of them, uh, Ryan Davis, friend of the show, was basically like, Bill, you do this a lot where this new, edgy, great, smart, beautiful, art house, Anya Taylor Joy uh, movie comes along, <laughs> and you're like, guys, stop the presses. This is the best thing I've ever seen. Clear your calendar. Clear your calendars. You blow no. things violently out of proportion. And then no. that happens until the next new thing comes along. So no. I don't no. want to say it's a cry wolf situation, but I feel like I've heard this before from you. No. False. False. Name a time. Name. Bring me the receipts because I don't go off like this and say things are my favorite movie. I say that I love movies. There's a lot of movies I love, and I will be upfront about that. I'm passionate about film, and when I love one, I will say I love it. So I might overuse the phrase, I love this movie, or it's one of my favorites. I'm saying this might be my favorite. Like, this is... I will will admit that I cannot think of a time that you've ever said, this is my new favorite movie, period. Okay. Yes. Thank you. I mean, you did say might, which is a little sneaky move by you. This might be my favorite movie. It might because I've only seen it once. I do have a ticket already to see it again later this week. Don't worry. But I'm only on the one showing, and I need to let it sit and see if it stands the test of time. But it's been two weeks or so, and so far, so good, because I keep thinking about this movie so much. Um, I just, I love it. I can't get over it. I just need one to two reasons on why every decision they made was the right decision and what did it do that now qualifies it as technically or could be your favorite movie of all time? So the, it begins and ends with the script. The script is absolutely brilliant. The writing is super tight and smart and cutting and funny. It satirizes 
foodie culture. It satirizes the uber rich. Uh, and the main thing, and this is where like the personal connection comes in. I'm not saying it's the best movie ever made. I'm saying it's my favorite movie because for me, I recently went to a Michelin star restaurant and had an eating experience that this movie blatantly like satirizes that type of experience. And they do so with such accuracy and it's so spot on that I was just, I was beside myself at how hilarious it was and how much they nailed it. Um, like what? Like the French brigade being yelled in the kitchen? Yeah, like, Shit like yeah, that? Like, the, like the, everyone doing the yes chef, no chef. <laughs> and like the chef coming out, out to explain each course and then the plates being super small and artsy. And then the sous chef comes out to explain the one that he came up with. Like they just, it was so exactly like it is. But then as the movie goes... And it starts to kind of go off the rails. Like the escalation was so perfectly done because a lot of movies like this start out where things seem normal. And then all of a sudden something crazy happens and it like immediately shifts. This has like a brilliant escalation of tension uh, with each course of the meal. And it's just, oh my God, it's just so well written. And Ray Fiennes is amazing. I know we talk about the. Grand Budapest Hotel being, I know for Craig and I at least, our, our favorite Wes Anderson oh, yeah. movie. Ray Fiennes is a big part of that. Uh, and here he is just in that same mode and he is masterful. Uh, the whole cast is great. Uh, everything about it, I, I just, everything worked. I just, I w- was enjoying it so much. It was like one of those things where I'm just like, this is why I love the movies. This feeling I get watching a movie like this, the way it affects me, I don't get that feeling any other time in my life. Uh, and it's just, I don't know, I, I can't even put it into words. I just, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But yeah, I mean, I, I are, I, like I said, I, I, this is the season to see movies, hence we're reviewing four of them. Like everything that good is coming out now, prestige season. And I'm making time in my schedule to see this again uh, because I want to experience it in theaters at least one more time. That's wild. Heard, Jeff. Heard, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Second movie is Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery, according to IMDb.com. Famed Southern detective Benoit Blanc travels to Greece for his latest case. Um, A Netflix, technically original, but a limited theater run. Bill, should I go see it? Yes. Gave this a yes. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I didn't love, um, but I liked and this is one of those situations where comparison is the thief of joy. So I, I, I was trying not to compare it to the original Knives Out, but that's also kind of impossible not to do. Um, and in doing so, I didn't find it quite as strong as the first one. I mean, mostly because it has the disadvantage of being the second one. So like the novelty is already gone uh, versus Knives Out was such a revelation at the time. But that being said, in its own right, it's a fun murder mystery. It's got some good twists and turns. Daniel Craig, amazing once again in the role. Strong supporting cast, as you would expect. Um, it was a little long for me. That was my only like major com- gripe with the movie because similar to Knives Out or similar to any movie in this genre, they have sequences of the film that take place and then they revisit some of those same sequences with new information or a new angle or whatever. So when you're when the movie's two hours and 20 minutes and like, a third of that is retreading the other third you already saw. Like it just started to feel a little long to me pacing wise. Um, so they could have tightened it up a little bit, but it's fun. It's smart. Um, it was actually good to see in a theater. I felt because there's more energy when there's a certain reveal 
or of course, you know, there's a lot of laughter because it's comedy. So it was it was overall a good experience. I, I think it's good. Is it a copy paste of the structure of the original uh, Knives Out in terms of like setup, who done it, and then the burn, the fast slow burn, and then the basically reveal at the end where Benoit basically just shits on everyone and puts it all together? Um, no. Luckily, it's not. I was thinking, I was nervous about that too, that it would just be like, here's a new cast of characters. He's going, he got hired for this job. Here's a new thing. But they, they do set it up a little bit differently. Um, and there's definitely a bit of a bait and switch on like what the actual case is that he's looking at. Like there, there's there's some some playing with the structure of it. That all adds time to the movie to like draw those out and make those changes. So there's there's a trade off there, but they do they do mix up the structure a little bit, which was which was refreshing. And I know this is the second of three, so there will be another. Um, so I'm curious what they end up doing with that. Da- but Daniel Craig in the role is is a joy. This is gonna be my my second question. Is this is two of three? Is there enough steam and ideas and momentum with the characters and the world to? be able to pull off a, a three for three? I mean, seeing how different this was to Knives Out in terms of scale, in terms of story, uh, it seems like Ryan Johnson's, I mean, he's the man's a treasure trove of ideas. I mean, he wrote and directed this one just like the last one. So no reason to think he can't come up with a new scenario again. And Daniel Craig is awesome. So yeah, I just think for me, I think a lot of people will probably like it more than I did. I think it had the bad luck of being the first movie I saw after the menu, as well as covering some similar themes of, of satirizing and skewering the Uber rich was like, again, a theme, but I had just seen that recently. So um, that probably hurt my viewing experience more than it would other people. So definitely recommend for sure. Remember when he totally uh, dismantled and shit down the throat of the biggest uh, movie franchise of all time? Ryan Johnson, when he uh, did The Last Jedi? Yeah. And then they brought in JJ again to try to like salvage what was left? But at that point, the damage was already done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. I do. Okay. I just that. want to make sure that you that. didn't yep. forget about that. Nope. Okay. So, um, it's gonna it's a limited theater run for everyone else or for people who don't want to wait to go to uh want to wait for it to come home or be on Netflix. Uh, December twenty third. So on Christmas Eve, Eve is that when uh, when it drops on uh Netflix. Uh, third movie three or four is The Fablemans. Uh, According to IMDB.com, The Fablemans is about growing up in a post-World War II era Arizona. Young Sammy Fableman aspires to become a filmmaker as he reaches adolescence, but soon discovers a shattering family secret and explores how the power of films can help him see the truth. Bill, should I go see it? I gave this one a no, and it it stings me a little bit to say that because this was written and directed by Steven Spielberg, who's the best to ever do it, no argument. And he also very rarely writes on his movies. Uh, this is only the third time he has a writing credit ever. Um, and so it's a very he did that because it's a very personal movie, as you described. The uh, synopsis it's about a young boy coming of age and discovering film and there's a lot of biographical or autobiographical details in it and and that came across i think more so than i would have liked like it basically felt like the whole movie was a therapy session for spielberg like his way to talk about his family's divorce and drama 
and I don't know, it didn't really connect with me. Um, you know, uh, there's some great scenes, as you would expect. It's, it's Spielberg, the best, again, the best director there is. Um, so it's really well done. But again, it, like the last movie um, we talked about, it's like two hours and 20 minutes, and it just felt long. The second half was way more engaging to me than the first half. If the second half was just that was the movie, I think I would have been fully on board. Um, but they spent a lot of time with the childhood and a lot of time kind of hitting those same notes about dealing with parents divorcing. And it just didn't grab me. I, I didn't connect with it that much. The So uh, uh, the biggest thing I think that stood out for me is Paul Dano plays the dad? Yeah, Paul Dano and <laughs> Michelle Williams play his parents and they, you know... They have to. They age them up a little bit because it takes place over the course of probably fifteen years or so. Um, and honestly, their portrayals of those characters were the thing that I think were the barrier to entry. I didn't really buy into Dano and Williams. Um, the young lead who plays Spielberg, essentially, um, he was fantastic, and that was just outstanding. Great role for him. He was awesome. But Williams and Dano as the parents just were only okay. Uh, and I think that's kind of what kept me from connecting with it. And what's weird is for a movie about, especially about the relationship between a son and mother and them sharing their love for cinema, which is very reminiscent of my own life uh, with my mother who has passed. Like I thought that this movie would like, like get the waterworks going for me personally. And even that, like I didn't, didn't really, didn't really feel it. So I don't know. Uh, again, well made, well shot, well acted f- for the most part. Um, and the last five minutes, or last ten minutes, I forget how long the last scene was, but the end of it was very, very good. Like, a f- fantastic finale. Um, loved the last scene and the last shot. Um, really great stuff there. But the whole movie just didn't really come together for me. I told you this. I saw the trailer and I immediately texted you. And I was like, nope. Like, no, no. It just doesn't. It looked. I know it's supposed to be like you You called it a therapy session. But it looks. It looks from the outside. like It's almost a, a caricature of what a, a movie based on someone's life is supposed to be like. Does that make sense? Like it has that sort of polish golden age Spielberg type thing. But it seems like. It shouldn't be that. It should be a little bit grittier and rawer, but there's this sheen and polish over it from the trailer that immediately just took me out from wanting to see it. Yeah, from a production value standpoint, it felt a lot like West Side Story because it takes place in the same time period, same DP, and like you said, it's got a sheen to it. It's got a glossy Hollywoodness to it, which works for West Side Story because West Side Story is a big-budget studio musical, uh, which you want that sort of layer of... of of Hollywoodness, of fakeness. Yeah. But this is supposed to be, like you said, a gritty real thing, which has moments of it. Definitely there's moments of it. There's a couple of great shots, a couple of great insights. But for two hours and 20 minutes, I just, I didn't, it didn't hold me. Bill, the last movie we are going to talk about today is one that I cannot pronounce. It's The Banshees of Inisherin. In in Inisherin. 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 Uh, I can't even. According to IMDb.com, two lifelong friends find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship 
with alarming consequences for both of them. Uh, Bill, will I understand a word they're saying? And should I go see it? You should go see it, yes. Um, to the general audiences, yes. For you, AJ, if you can't have subtitles on, don't bother. Because like it is 1920s island off the coast of Ireland. Uh, and it is just... The accents are... Sounds like they're... Might as well might as well be fucking Neptune. <laughs> swollen, swollen marbles and chewing yeah, on glass for yeah. an hour and a half. Uh, okay. But man, it's a great movie. This, this will be in my my top five of the year easily really really good it's basically like you mentioned it's kind of a meditation on friendship uh as well as mortality and human decency there's a lot going on thematically um like i said it takes place on an island off of ireland uh, but there's a civil war on the mainland as part of the backdrop which just kind of reinforces the the themes of the movie but colin farrell and and brandon gleason um or Brandon Gleason are doing some of their best work. It's a brilliant script. It's well acted. And it's just, it's about the fallout from two friends when one decides he doesn't want to be friends anymore. Like that's how the movie starts is, this is Brandon Gleason decides I don't want to be friends with you anymore to Colin Farrell. But this is on a small, small Island. There's not a lot of like options. This is 1920s. There's no social media. There's no anything. It's just all of a sudden he just doesn't want to be friends anymore. And then the drama ramps up and it escalates. But even though it escalates to like, sometimes comedic absurdity and like dark humor regardless of how the story gets a little crazy the emotions involved are just so relatable because everybody's been in a scenario we've all been on either side of it where like you know sometimes friendships just kind of slowly like fade or they fade away or or maybe you don't really want to be friends with someone but they're not taking the hint and they keep reaching out like everyone's been on either side of these types of scenarios um and the writing is just so insightful in that way. And, and, and it's also just wickedly funny and deadpan and dry humor. And if you've seen The Lobster, if you've seen Colin Farrell just play the straight man, and even though the scenario is so ridiculous around him and he completely plays it straight, he is amazing in that mode. He is hilarious. Well, I was going to say, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson uh, uh, in Bruges, one of my favorite movies of all time the director martin mcdonough wrote in bruges so i mean it's fitting how they get back together and, and martin's style to your point bill is very uh bringing levity and grounding either characters in crazy situations or crazy situations around real interactions between two people and the way they go back and forth with that is just amazing so uh yeah, I can see how this has gotten already just amazing reviews and people are, are gushing about it. So you said the subtitles, super hard to understand. I mean, I didn't, I didn't struggle too, too much. You kind of get a feel for it after a while when you're, when you're in it. Um, every once in a while, there was a word that I, I flat out didn't know or, or some sort of slang that I didn't understand. But generally speaking, I, in the theater, I think it was fine. Um, but we've talked before about audio mixes and home mixes versus theater mixes like... If you just watched it at home with a bad mix, you'd you'd be screwed. In the theater, I thought I thought it was fine, um, but some people might struggle with it. I have heard that. Uh, but like you said, great reviews. It's like a critical darling. It's one of those movies that's getting a lot of word of mouth. It won a bunch of awards at festivals. It'll be it'll be talked about during award season. I'm guessing around the the screenplay category, if nothing else. But also, I would imagine some acting uh, potential nods. Like it's it's really really good. You're gonna see it on a lot of end of year lists, in, including my own. Love it, uh, Bill. We got through that pretty quick. 
Let's um let's move on to our last segment, Netflix and Bill. Uh, what are you watching on TV? I finished out Andor. So Andor season one had its finale. It was a twelve episode series, and uh, it was great. It's great ending. Looking forward to another season. Um, best Star Wars thing I've seen since Rogue One, basically. Um, so highly, highly recommend Andor uh, if you didn't watch it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a few episodes uh, in. I'll probably get caught up in the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, you, you bring up Rogue One. I mean, it basically is Rogue One 2.0, but prequel. Uh, same characters, same world, same experiences. So uh, I dug the first two or three episodes um, and excited to finish it off. How like uh, how jump inable is Andor? Would you say a hundred percent? Like hundred percent, you could jump in. It takes place five or six years before Rogue One, so there's not even much connection there yet, at least so far. And it doesn't really connect to anything else as of right now. So you could really just watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's more of like the, the, in the Mandalorian style, Craig, where it's like uh, uh, spaghetti western that takes place in outer space in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. Yeah, there might be... No, I mean, there's really not much that you would have to know. No, absolutely not. Uh, I mean, some of the Imperial scenes and stuff, maybe it helps to have a little bit of knowledge or remembrance from other movies, but really, no, not much. Sweet. Uh, I mean, we're in the middle of the movie season. Uh, this is it. We're here. What? What's? How many tickets have you purchased for the next two weeks? Thirty-five. <laughs> right now, right now, I have five tickets Whoa! in my pocket. Um, over the next uh, couple weeks, uh, I am going to see. I mentioned the menu, seeing that again, hopefully. Um, but I also have a ticket to most most or soonest is Violent Night, ah, which is a take on Silent Night yeah. uh, with. Um, I forget the actor's name already. Uh, the gentleman uh, from Stranger Things guy, uh, David Hope, Harbor, David Harbor, and uh, Hopper. John Leguizamo, Hopper. Yeah, yeah he uh, he plays like a Santa Claus, Santa Claus meets John Wick type scenario. It looks stupid, but uh, we'll check it out. And yeah, see how that it looks is awful. Okay, uh, Bones and All. I have a ticket to see the Timothy Chalamet movie Bones and All. Your favorite. Uh, I have a ticket to see Strange World, which is the Disney animated film that is underperforming at the box office and might be their biggest flop ever. It is eating <laughs> bags upon bags of bo- yeah. body parts. Why is it doing so bad? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it came out at Thanksgiving, uh, and people just are not interested in seeing it, apparently. What do you need to know, I guess? I mean, this unfortunately goes to the theory... (laughs) This unfortunately goes towards the theory that people are not interested in new IP. Like, it's not a known name. It's not a new brand. Known brand, so... I, don't know I mean, you do a uh, Strange World Google search, and the first thing is Disney's Strange World to lose $100 million in theatrical run. Yeehaw! Uh, I'm going to try to check it out. I'll, I, I don't follow. If I can't end up making it to any of these movies, that'll be the first one that gets cut. But if I can, I'll check it out and see what, what's going on. Uh, and then I secured my ticket to Avatar, The Way of Water. I made sure to buy that ticket for a 2 p.m. showing so I don't lose my entire evening to it. All three hours and 15 minutes of its runtime plus trailers. Wait a minute. Th- three so hours and 15 minutes? That's the runtime for Avatar. Yes. Wow. That's wow. Yep. fucking brutal, dude. Yep. My apologies if we've discussed that before, but holy moly. Well, speaking of run times and movies coming up, both Bill and I are waiting for the uh, pre-sale of Babylon to go on uh, on sale, the new Damien Chazelle movie, which is 
three hours and five. Something like that. It's very four. similar. Christmas Just crazy. So, yeah. Lord Jesus. Uh, I also, uh, speaking of things coming up, uh, there is a trailer coming out for a new Netflix six-episode series from director uh, Nicholas Winding Refn called Copenhagen Cowboy. And I might give that a shot. I like Refn. I love Drive, uh, the movie Drive with Ryan Gosling. Love, love, love. I really like the movie Neon Demon, which is also Refn. Some of his other stuff I don't love as much, but I might give the Netflix show a shot. Interesting. But if you haven't seen Drive, I mean, that's, that's a must-watch also. Hmm. Fantastic. But that's the only thing I have on the docket. Wow. That's a lot of movies. I know. A lot, lot going on. Wow. Uh... It's the most... Wonderful time of the year. Hey. Ding <laughs> dong. <laughs> Bill, take us away. And the hot will be uh, thank the you for listening to the Should I Go See It podcast. It's uh, the most sure wonderful time of the year.